For us this morning, we're going to be jumping into the book of James again. Um, uh, Len Thompson preached last week. I appreciated him uh, filling in for that week. And uh, we're going to be back into the book of James this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to chapter 3 of James. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 12 of James. And this is a, a, a chapter that first of all deals with this massive topic of words. And what James is going to reveal to us is there is an incredible amount of power in words, aren't there? Words can be used for blessing, they can be used for cursing, they can be used for encouragement, and they also can be used for destruction. And so James comes to us this morning and he says, Church, this is something you need to pay attention to. This is something that has to be processed because words have this incredible power. And if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and if we want to act as new creation in Christ, then one of the major things that has to be transformed in our lives is the way that we speak, the way that we use words. And so words can be used in many positive ways. Um, uh, I'm even reminded this week of, of some of the things that are being celebrated. Um, I know Wes and Val had anniversary this week. Uh, Wayne and Tracy, you guys had an anniversary. Rebecca and I did. Who else had anniversaries? I know there was another couple. Yeah, Ray and Paulette. And there was another couple too. Uh, uh, Shalafu is Eric and Nikki, right? And, and one of the things that we celebrate in our anniversaries is that statement of covenant that we have made in our marriage vows, right? And our marriage vows are words that make a big statement about commitment and covenant to someone, right? And so words can be used in this powerful way to bind people together in love and union. And even there's a writer called uh, Gary Chapman who wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. Anyone have heard of that book? And one of the five love languages that he talks about is words of affirmation. And the way that we show love or we receive love is often by words of affirmation, how people speak to us or how we speak to them, encouraging, admonishing, supporting, right? Words have this incredible power in our relational lives um, to create good. But at the same time, words also have an incredible amount of power to bring destruction too, don't they? Let's just process for a second. I, I want to hear from you guys. What are some ways that the Scripture te- talks about or even experientially that words can bring harm? What are some words that come to mind even of thinking about ways that words bring harm or destruction into people's lives? Yeah, someone's words can push someone into depression, suicidal thoughts, right? And so what would those type of words look like? Pardon? Yeah, cursing, uh, mocking someone, right? Yeah, rejection, rejecting relationship by your words, right? That's a horrible thing. Tearing people down, right? Making fun of them. Interaction, you guys. <laughs> what are some other ways? 9 a.m. had a long list. 
Yeah, abusive talk, threatening talk, right? Words of anger. Yeah, lying, deceit, speaking untruthfulness to someone. Yeah, leading people in the wrong direction. Yeah, untruth. What are some other ones? Yeah, gossip, slander. Anything else? Yeah, fits of anger, fits of rage, right? We, and we could go on for longer and longer and longer on this. But here's the reality that James wants to come to a realization of this morning. Is that words have this incredible power to bring destruction. Words have this incredible power to destroy someone's life. As Carrie or uh, Corey, you were even mentioning, we can even use words to push people into depression or anxiety or even suicidal thoughts, right? We can literally be influencing someone's life with our words. And so James gives us this deep sense of warning that we can sin with our tongue or we can bless with our tongue. And so this is the passage we're going to walk through, verses 1 to 12 of chapter 3. And James wants us to begin revealing some things to us. And the first thing he says is to sort of the pastor teachers. Before he he talks to the congregation at large, he, he looks at those who are pastoring or those who are teaching and overseeing churches, and he says this. He makes this bold statement. He says, not many of you should become what? Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, the church, for you know that we who teach will be judged with what? A greater strictness. Interesting. What what does it mean that God is going to judge teachers, pastors, overseers of the church with a greater strictness? What is going on here? What is being described? Well, what James is reminding us is if words have this powerful capacity, if they have this power to, to literally cause damage or destruction in someone's life, He says teachers are the ones who can cause the most damage in the church, aren't they? They they are the ones who are teaching and directing, and if their words are untruthful or not grace-filled, they can move and affect people's lives at this massive scale that has this massive implication for the health of the body. And and so James says to the church, first of all, he says, teachers are going to be judged with a greater strictness. And so guess what? Is it a a role that you really just want to jump into? (laughs) No, James says this is very serious. And and this was a very convicting passage for me. When God called me into pastoral ministry, when I was at Bible college, uh, I read this passage and it sort of created this fear in me. I said, what am I stepping into, right? God's going to judge me with a greater strictness because I'm moving into this role, into this calling. And and this, to be honest, is one of the reasons I went on to do graduate studies because I said, I have to be studied, I have to be educated, I have to be trained, I have to know what I'm talking about if God's going to judge me on a deeper and more strict level. And, And so this is something that should be permeated in our minds all the time. 
And uh, I'm just so thankful that we have so many teachers in our church. I mean, Rob's here. Len was here this morning, Don, Mr. Kane even. I see so many people with the gift of teaching in our church. And, and this is the beauty of when we're accountable to one another. It creates this great sense of truthfulness in our teaching. But here's the thing. Our society is not like this at all. In our society, in our culture, who wants to be teachers? Everyone wants to be teachers. And I don't mean in the literal sense of occupation like with Brenda and teachers, right? But, but I'm, I'm talking about people who want their opinions to be heard, who want their voice to be known, who want to share their belief and their understanding. And, and what that has created in our culture and society is a massive amount of people who now become experts in everything. <laughs> Isn't that true? And, and I mean, that, that's been a cultural reality for a long time, but I think this past year has almost put it on another level, hasn't it? Because now everybody becomes, uh, has an opinion, and now they become an expert in law. Or have you noticed how now we have a lot more experts in medicine all of a sudden? I don't know where these people were before, but somehow they just popped up this year, where now we have so many experts in Canada in these fields. And, and James is saying, be cautious. Why? Because if you want to place yourself in the position of teacher, there's a massive amount of responsibility that comes with it. See, see people want a voice of power and authority, but they want it without accountability right? I mean, if, if you're actually a lawyer, who do you answer to? You answer to the judge, right? If you're someone who's, who's dealing in the, the realm of, of medicine and health, you are literally responsible for people's lives. And, and so if you come into that perspective and you want to have a voice and opinion, but you have no responsibility, you can say whatever you want and have no responsibility, no accountability. James says this is a very dangerous thing. And James says this is even more dangerous in the life of a church. Because if a pastor, if a teacher is functioning with no accountability and no authority over them, then James says they can cause so much destruction. They, they can lead so many people astray. And James says, if you want to be a teacher, you're going to be judged with a greater strictness, which means that you must have a greater accountability and responsibility over you. And, and this is one of the reasons why, even for us as a church, just to give you a concept with our, uh, our governance, is I am under the authority of the board. Does that make sense? And so I am accountable to the board. And, and beyond that, we're also part of a network of churches. And I, as a pastor, am accountable to that network of churches, a group of collective of pastors and leaders, so that I am being held accountable and responsible under people's authority, right? I, I take that very seriously, especially with the words of James here, because uh, a teacher, a pastor, they're going to be judged with a greater strictness. And that's a great weight to carry, to ponder. And so that's James' first warning. This is what he first warns in the church. Now, the, the rest of the section, he's going to go on deal with everyone in the church. And then he goes on to say this in verse 2. He says, For we all stumble in many ways. 
And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able also to brittle his whole body. So what he's saying, we're, we're all going to make mistakes. And, and who here has stumbled in their words before, right? We're all in that category. Who has said something they regret saying? <laughs> this is the category. We all stumble in many ways. We're going to stumble, but James says to make a mistake with our mouths can cause this great damage. And here's the description of that damage that can happen. He gives this picture of, of three ways of understanding this. He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And again, how, how heavy is a horse? Yeah, like a thousand pounds, right? So we're talking about a massive beast who's being controlled and being moved by this little bit in their mouth, right? The 9 a.m. gave me a hard time because I kept saying bridle, but it's brittle, right? Right. It's bridle, not brittle. So I already, I messed it up again just the other way now. Okay, whatever. I'll figure it out one of these years, right? I'm just going to keep saying bit in the mouth, right? Then I'll never mess it up, right? But this little bit in the mouth can control this thousand-pound beast, right? This is the image that he's giving of the power of our tongue. Our power of the tongue is this little member, but it controls everything in the circumstances around us. Now, this is the other image he gives. He says, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. And so this is the three images that we, we get from James in regarding to our tongues. He, he, he says our, our tongues are the small members that control this massive beast, so to say, of our, our bodies and our minds. Now, the first image he gives, again, is that of a horse. Uh, who here has ever sat on a wild horse before that was bucking and bronking and all that? A few of you, right? Yeah, Joel, Kelsey, I know a number of you have, right? And, and I remember even uh, a couple Easter's ago, we were at Brightwood Ranch. Brent invited us out there, and we did a horseback ride Easter egg hunt. And it was quite comical because Rebecca on her horse, the horse kept freaking out at her and, like, taking off at times and trying to buck her off even. And the reason why is because she uh, grew up riding... Um, What's it called? European or something? English, yeah. She's not here to tell me. She told me an idea. But English. And so she would have the reins really tight. And she would hold it really tight. And what was she doing to the horse? She was making him angry. She was making him mad, right? And it shows how easily this, this massive beast can turn on us. And, and, and James is saying if you use the bit the right way, you can actually move this animal that's otherwise, otherwise wild or chaotic. Now, here's the second image he gives, this, this massive boat that's controlled by this little rudder. And I remember as a kid growing up on the west coast of Vancouver Island, we would take the, the ferry all the time. 
And one of the things that was fascinating for me on the ferry is I had driven so many boats as a kid, but the ferry was like a giant. It was massive. And yet we'd be driving through these narrow inlets. And for some reason, I said, how is this massive boat able to steer through these narrow passageways? And in reality, it's because of this small little rudder. And so James is telling us that the small thing in our mouth, this little tongue that we have, has a way bigger influence and power than we give it credit for, that we even acknowledge. Because it can do an incredible amount of things. And, and this is the third picture he gives. And this is, he says, the negative aspect of the tongue is this tongue can cause so much destruction. This tongue can cause complete destruction. And he gives the image of a wildfire. And, and we recently had a wildfire south of here in Tomahawk area, right? And, and it was a little fire that literally began to ravish farmland and houses and threaten people's livelihood, threaten people's comfort, threaten people's security. It was something that started off as this little spark, but ultimately went on this rampage of destruction. And James says our tongues can do that very same thing. Our tongues can cause that very same reality. And so this is the point that James is trying to get at. Think of it this way. That every conversation you've had is never neutral. Does that make sense? You've never had a neutral conversation with someone. Every conversation you've had with someone can either take them on a path that brings joy and life and peace and grace into their lives or it's a path that can bring destruction. Every conversation you have is never neutral. I mean, a careless sentence can destroy a whole relationship, can it? A simple statement or word of mockery can lead someone into a spiral of, de of depression. A, a, simple, a simple word can build on someone's depression or anxiety. A, a simple statement of, of gossip or slander can ruin someone's entire reputation. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about the power of words. They can literally destroy. They literally cause destruction. And so no conversation we've had is, is neutral. And a way perhaps to characterize this and understand this is, is by doing this. So this is a piece of paper, obviously. And, and think of this as a person. And I'm going to watch. I didn't put a face on it or someone didn't. Uh, but I want you to talk to this piece of paper. It may sound weird. But what I want us to do is, is to say some insults or negative words against this piece of paper. Don't get too vulgar here. We're, we're gathered as a church. But what are some negative things we could say about this piece of paper? White trash. Yeah, white trash. <laughs> Wes was just probably waiting since 9 a.m. to say that. Was that just processing in your mind this whole time? White trash. Okay, what are some other things we could say? Yeah, you're an idiot. Yeah, you're nothing. You're just a piece of paper. You're useless. That's what we have tablets for, right? You're garbage. What? You're an eyesore. Yeah. Oh, you're a dinosaur. Yeah, ancient technology, right? <laughs> 
What did Len say this morning? Len said, like, um, you're super white or something. <laughs> with it, even with it's all sunny out, no tan on this piece of paper, right? But what's happened, though? All, all these statements have affected this piece of paper, haven't they? Uh, nothing's been, been neutral about it. And, and as you've made all these statements, what you realize is this paper will never be the same. There's no going back on what we've said. That The damage has already been done. There's, a, there's already been deep destruction that has taken place to the point where this paper is, is now completely influenced by what we've said. And, and it's the same reality with how we speak and we talk to with one another. There's nothing neutral at all. Everything we said has an influence, something that can't be taken back. And this is the caution that, that James gives us is that we can cause so much destruction with our mouths. Even though they're this tiny little thing on our body, our tongue is such a small member of our body, and yet it can cause this incredible amount of damage. And, and here's, here's the reality that we face then. If, if this is something that we have problems with this humanity, if this is something that was, is constantly a battle for us as people, then what does James says about this? Well, what does he guide us in to understand with this? Well, he tells us this next. This is the problem we all face. He says, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame what? No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Isn't that a powerful statement? And, and what James wants us to sort of picture is this image of a zoo. A zoo or an aquarium. And he says, you know what, we as humans, we've done these amazing feats of, of taming animals, of taming sea creatures, um, even putting them in habitats and zoos and aquariums. He said, we, we've done these powerful feats. And when you think about it, they are quite profound. Uh, just process, what are some animals that just blow your mind of how they got into a zoo or an aquarium? Yeah, lions, like who wants to be that person trying to transport a lion into a zoo? Even if I tranquilize it, I always be in this paranoia of when's this thing going to wake up, right? <laughs> what are some other animals or sea creatures that just blow our mind? Yeah, tigers. Yeah, whales, alligators, hippopotamus, those are very dangerous. Yeah, yeah jellyfish, right? Th there's all these things that we as humans have the ability to control and to tame. And yet the, the hard reality is that what happens is we have none of that ability over our tongue. All the power and authority that we can show over an animal, James says, you know what? You can't even do that with your tongue. You don't even have that a power. You don't even have that ability. And then he goes on to say this. He says, this is what happens. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, 
We curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, church, these things ought not to be so. And so he gives this image of using our mouths to bless God. And this is in many senses of what we have been doing. Even as we gathered here this morning, we've been praising, we've been celebrating, we've been blessing, we've been praying, we've been enjoying God, right? We, we, we use our mouths to praise God. And then James says, you know what your life is like? You praise God in one moment, and then 15 minutes later, half an hour later, an hour later, that evening, whatever, use that same mouth and you curse someone. You curse someone who's made in the image of God. And so you bless God and yet you curse someone made in His image. Someone who has value, dignity, respect because they're made in the image of God. And James says that inconsistency is not right. It ought not to be so. This isn't the way that you as a child of God, as someone who's empowered by the Holy Spirit, this isn't the way it should be. And if this is the reality, then you need to question it. And this is how James gets us to question it. He puts this mirror in front of us of this illustration to examine our own hearts. He says this. He says, does a spring pour forth? from the same opening, both fresh and salt water. In other words, do we get fresh water and ocean salt water in the same pool? No, it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. Then he says, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And so he gives this imagery of a fig tree that begins to produce olives. Now, if a fig tree is producing olives, what does that mean it truly is? It's an olive tree, right? If a fig tree is producing olives, we can use some logical deduction and say, oh, that's not a fig tree, it's actually an olive tree. And, and what James is, is coming to confront us on is he says, your words are actually all about your identity. The way you speak actually has to do with who you are. It has to do with the nature of who you are. Now, now this is pretty crucial for us to understand because we, we think our words in terms of, of slip-ups at times or mess-ups where we say, oops, maybe I swore at work or oops, maybe I, I gossiped when I shouldn't have, or, or oops, maybe I, I slandered a political figure. That's pretty common these days, right? We say oops to all these things, and we sort of pass them off. But what James is saying, he said, wait a second, you need to pause. Because if those things are coming out of your mouth, this is an identity issue. This, this is who you are in Christ. This is, this is serious. This is the question, who are you really? This is the nature of who you are because James is saying if what is coming out of your mouth 
is everything that has nothing to do with the fruits of the Spirit, if everything that's coming out of your mouth is gossip, deceit, lies, slander, all these things, then, then he says, you need to check who you are. This is an identity issue. And, and Jesus says something similar. Jesus, in, in teaching the way we use our words, he, he uses this phrase It says, out of the heart what speaks. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Isn't that interesting? See, see we often think of, of external circumstances around us. And it's easy for us to sort of say, you know what, um, I said this because this happened. Or I responded to this person because this is what they said to me. Or this was going on and so I said this, right? And we usually base our words on external circumstances. But what James is saying, guess what? Your words have nothing to do with what's going on around you. What are your words exposing? Your words expose your own heart. Your words expose who you truly are. James is arguing that your words always reveal the true character and condition of your heart. It's not about all these external circumstances going on, ways that you respond to people or, or th circumstances, but it's your heart. And, and this is the reality that we we're confronted by is our problem with our tongues, our, our problem with the way we speak is is not because of what's outside of us, but because of what's inside of us and the true condition of where you're at. Now, here's the, the reality then. Here's our only hope in this. Is that for us to actually have this true transformation, what do we need to have changed for our words to change? What would Jesus say? Our hearts. Our hearts need to be changed. See, so often we think when, when we struggle with our words, it's so easy, easy for us to think uh, morally or ethically in that sense where oh, all I need to do is I need to stop swearing or I need to stop gossiping or I need to stop slandering or I need to stop lying, all these things, right? We think it's this external reality that we can somehow control. And you may be able to stop swearing for a time. You may be able to avoid gossip, but you know what? Eventually the true condition of your heart is going to come out in the way you speak to one another. And we are hopeless in that. Can we tame that, church? Can we tame that? No. Not even close. J James says again, you can't tame the tongue. When it comes to the way you speak to others, you're pretty hopeless. All, all you are going to do if you try and tame the tongue this is how we often go towards. We, we often basically come to this position that we begin to minimize what we say or we justify what we say. And, and so what do we minimize? We, we often minimize maybe if you said an insult to someone or you, you were um, ridiculing them or mocking them, we just sort of minimize it. Oh, it didn't hurt that person that much. They weren't that offended by it. <laughs> It, it didn't change them that much. They, they don't have reasons to take offense. They don't have reasons to be mad. They don't have reasons for all these things, right? We minimize it. Or what, on the other hand, what do we do? We justify it. 
We say, well, they spoke to me like this, and so I just responded to them. They, they mocked me, so I'm going to mock them. They slandered me, so I'm going to slander them, right? That's what we do. And, and what does that produce? It just produces this vicious cycle of destruction, doesn't it? Where James says this, this path goes nowhere. But he says, on the other hand, there is a path where you'll actually find transformation, where you'll actually find renewal. And the only hope we have in that path is through Jesus. See, this is, this is a phrase I came up with to, to process this in the sense that the answer to our struggle with words, and who struggles with words here? Every day, right? Every moment of every day, we all struggle with words, right? The only answer to that is not minimizing or justifying or trying to have control over our vocabulary. The only way that we can actually find transformation of our words is if the Word, Jesus Christ, actually transforms our hearts. Amen? That's our only hope. We can't tame the tongue, but what's beautiful is we have a God who cares about us so much that He wants to make us new creations. He wants to empower us with the Holy Spirit. He he wants to transform not just our actions and deeds, but the way we even speak to one another. All the, the minuscule conversations that we have, God wants us to be redeemed in our conversation so that he can be glorified so that relationships can flourish and so that the church ultimately can flourish in hell too this is the beauty of our god who in our helplessness comes in and restores us even though we have no power in and of ourselves as humanity to control our tongue god comes as the living word and empowers us through the holy spirit to produce the fruits of the spirit That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And that's a beautiful thing when you see it in the life of someone, isn't it? I mean, uh, who likes to be around someone who's always nagging or critical or saying hurtful, harmful words, right? Anyone enjoy that? No, but who loves to be around people that are encouraging and supportive and admonishing? We love that, right? Why is that? Because that's the way that God designed us. That's the way that he wants our relationships to flourish. And and even when when we talk about being um, conformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ and and our our goal and aspiration in life is, is to live in the likeness of Christ, especially with our words, there's this beautiful description in the, the beginning of the Gospel of John where it says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. That's the reputation that Jesus had in the way that he spoke to people. He was a person who was full of grace and truth. In other words, he he spoke a lot of truth and he spoke grace with it. Now, think of that practically. If you're around someone who speaks a lot of truth, but there's no grace, it becomes very harsh, doesn't it? You don't know if they actually care about you or love you or just want to be right. On the same hand, if you speak to someone who's full of grace but doesn't have any truth behind it, they may seem like they care about you but not enough to confront you with anything, not enough to actually bring you back into reality. And yet Jesus does 
both, this grace and truth spoken from his mouth, right? And, and this is what we need the Holy Spirit to empower us to do, is to be a people that are able to speak with grace and truth because Jesus has transformed our heart. That's our aspiration. That's what God has called us to. And so let, let's pray to that extent. I'm going to invite you guys to bow your heads, and we're just going to contemplate this for a minute. And the first thing I want you to do, and this may be weird, but I just want you to move your tongues around in your mouth. You can stick them out even if you want. But just move your tongues around because so often we're unaware that it's even there, right? I mean, when's the last time you actually thought about your tongue? Probably, yeah. For, well, those of you for 9 a.m., obviously not too long ago, but, but probably a while ago. You forget about your tongue. You, you forget that it's even there at times. It's such a seemingly irrelevant piece of our bodies. And yet James gives us this deep warning that this little member in your mouth can cause massive destruction. Massive destruction. It's like a wildfire that can be used from the pits of hell by Satan himself to spew off hate and anger and gossip and slander, all the things that are not of God. And so I'm just going to invite you to contemplate this. Uh, first of all, I, I'm going to give you a space and time as individuals just to confess. Confess some of the things that have been spoken out of your mouth that didn't bring glory to God. Confess those things. I'll give you space now. Lord Jesus, we come in confession, acknowledging the way that we have used our mouth at times to cause hurt, pain, fracture, division, destruction. Lord, it's a serious thing when you remind us through James that our tongues can literally be used by the fire of hell. And that our tongues can cause as much destruction as a wildfire that destroys land and homes. And so we come before you confessing the ways that we have used something that you have gifted us with. The gift of mouth for language, and yet we have corrupted it to bring harm. Lord, we do not have the ability to tame the tongue on our own. We do not have the autonomous power 
to have authority and power over our mouths in and of ourselves. And so we come before you helpless. We come before you with no hope in and of ourselves. We simply come before you in a desperate need. A need for you to transform our hearts. Lord, so often we think we can have control over our mouths. And yet time and time again, we fail. And so we pray that if we are truly your children, if we are truly a new creation, if we are truly empowered by the Holy Spirit, then that's what we would produce is the fruits of the Spirit in the way that we speak. You remind us that figs trees do not produce olives. And so allow us to find our identity in you. And may that identity transform our hearts and to be a people who speak with a grace, with a truth that brings life and joy and peace and encouragement and admonishment to those around us. Lord, protect us from evil when it comes to our mouths so that your name would be glorified and that your love would be spoken through us as your people for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.